Attention. It's time to register for Elusian Live 2024, April 7th through 10th in San Antonio, Texas. Illuminate, innovate, inspire, explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. Register now at elive.elusian.com. This conference is going to be epic. By now, you've heard me talk about Insights EDU in Phoenix, Arizona, February 20 through 22nd. Here's why I think you should join us at the Insights EDU conference. It's one of the few conferences focused on helping schools serve today's online and non-traditional students. If you're concerned at all about where your enrollments are going to come from in 2024 and beyond, and you should be concerned, you need to be at this conference. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50. Prepare to be astonished. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the EDUP Experience podcast where we make education your business. I'm standing here in 2024. Can, can you stand in a year? If you can, I'm doing it. And we have recorded nearly 800 episodes. I think um, we're coming up on January 25th, so I'm, I'm putting time around this episode, which I'm not supposed to do, says uh, my co-founder and partner, Elvin Freitas. He says, don't talk about time, but I am because our four-year anniversary is on January 25th. We've interviewed 250 college university presidents, nearly 800 people across in, in and around higher education to the tune of about 370 or so thousand downloads. Thank you. I just want to say thank you to everybody as we approach our four-year anniversary for supporting this podcast, for listening, for contributing. And I've said it once, and I'm going to say it again. This is your podcast. What does that mean exactly? Well, my guest co-host will tell you uh, when I bring him on. When you're a guest to this podcast and you have something important to say, you can be a guest. You can come on and be a guest. You can decide that you want to come on and interview other people, which means you could become one of my guest co-hosts that we have that rotate around. You could see somebody that you want to interview and say, you know what, I want to interview them with Joe. And you could even host your own Ed Up podcast. Sometimes I look for people when I am sick or I've got my kids at home and it's very hard to record with kids at home. I will tell you that. Uh, I need somebody to just take over for me. You could be one of those people. This can be your podcast if you want it to be. And let me bring in my guest co-host, special guest co-host now. He's done a thing or two, just a thing or two in higher education. Uh, and he'll continue to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, oh wait, see, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You guys, you know how I work with my sound effects. I didn't have my applause up. I had the, the Price is Right thing where it goes, bam, 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 bam. I don't want to do that to him. Ladies and gentlemen, he's Chike Egu. He is the senior advisor for Project on Workforce at Harvard University and the former chief innovation officer at the Department of Labor. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, Joe, and I look forward to the conversation today. Now, is this your, is this your second time back co-hosting? This is my second. I, I, I got to co-host uh, with uh, Ali Pekka, who is the head of International Baccalaureate. Uh, That's uh, right. A few weeks back, which is a great conversation. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, I miss that one. See, I miss him sometimes. But, you know, what What are you going to do? Thanks for thanks for stepping in and, and handling that with me. Uh, no appreciate worries. it. And uh, glad to have you here. Ta what are you doing these days, my friend? Ta talk about your work a little bit. Sure. Um, probably the two things that are most germane here, uh, spend majority of my time with the with Harvard University at their project on workforce and interdisciplinary research project across the Harvard Business School, the Harvard Kennedy School and the Harvard Education School, focused on everything 
around how we have the workforce of the future and particularly the role that higher ed plays. And then also germane to this, um, per of last year, I am the vice chair of the Maryland Higher Education Commission. So we oversee all higher education in the state of Maryland, public and private. So always um, these conversations are very per germane to what I do on a daily basis. So you left the Department of Labor and thought, I'll just fill my time with all sorts of things. Um, it sounds like you're a busy man. My wife wants me out of the house. And so uh, she said, yeah, yeah, I, I have to figure a way to keep myself busy. Yes, I understand. I understand exactly how that goes. <laughs> happy wife, happy life for anybody that wonders out there how to have a happy marriage. That's how you do it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to our guest. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess when he tells you what he does and where he's from that you have probably come across a product of his uh, that he's working on before. Just get a guess that that's the case, but he's going to tell us like from scratch like you never heard. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. He is the one and only Steve Daly. He is the CEO at Instructure. Steve, welcome to an EdUp Mike. Well, thank you. Um, I'm honored to be on this. Uh, this is my first time. Unlike GK, this is, uh, this is my inaugural run, so I'm excited. Well, we're glad to have you here. Surprise. Uh, so you've got a lot to say. We want to get to it and uh, just lay it out. I'm in higher ed. I've come across Instructure for the first time. Tell me, like, yeah. I'm in, like, what's the elevator? Yeah. So, um, if you um, if you're in about, but there's about fifty percent, almost fifty percent of all U.S. higher ed uh, students are are using one of our products, which is the Canvas Learning Management System. Uh, and so, uh, if you've come across us, it's been in that teaching and learning uh, environment, uh, and that's what we're, we're, you know, we're best known for the the Canvas Learning Management System. Over the last several years, though, um, really our strategy has been to is to expand the the reach that we have, the things that we can help institutions with, this, the ways that we can connect teachers and learners. Um, and so we've actually got a much broader portfolio than just um, than just the learning management system. We have technology that will help with student engagement, uh, will help with multimedia and 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 how we you know much richer sort of. Uh, um, uh, lessons and, and, uh, instruction. Um, if you, you may have run, you know, we're talking about higher ed, but we're also in about a third of all U S school districts. Um, and so you may have actually had us through your entire learning journey. Um, uh, particularly when you're talking about canvas, uh, we also just, um, announced an acquisition. It's yet to close of, of a company called parchment and parchment does credentialing, right? They have transcript services, diploma services. They also have uh, they have some comprehensive learner record technologies. They they have um, badging and 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 credentialing, and so um, that's part of the bigger strategy to become again not only the technology that uh, teachers and learners are using within the classroom to deliver on teaching and learning, but also to be the evidence of that learning throughout a, a learner's journey, whether it is through that. Uh, you know, primary, secondary, or post-secondary, or maybe it's vocational and and other paths that people may take in their in their learning journeys. Amazing. So yeah. So um, I'm going to ask one more, and then I'll pass to you, Chike. I I I'm, I want to ask about the parchment, but I'm I'm not going to do that right away because that's the easy one. But I do okay. want to ask you uh, first about your customer. When you think about strategy and instructor, who who's who is the design for? Who is this strategy for? Is it for the student? Is it for the faculty? Is it for the administrator? Is it for the superintendent who's buying the product? You're working yeah. multiple-sided marketplaces. How do you think about that from a strategy perspective? Yeah, from a strategy perspective, frankly, you know, um, 
Canvas came onto the scene about 10, 11 years ago was when we first launched it, right? And at the time, you know, zero market share at the time. And we've been able to become the number one market share leader. We took share from primarily Blackboard, who was kind of the dominant player in the market at that point. Um, and, and part of the reason, first of all, we, we approached it with a cloud-based uh, solution, uh, which at the time, you know, wasn't always fully embraced uh, by institutions. Um, but, but we did decide that, you know, what we wanted to do was approach our, our design philosophy from the teaching and learning, right? So from the student and the teacher experience, rather than the administrators, which a lot of um, LMSs at the time were yeah. about how do we how do we simplify the administrator's life? And so uh, every everything we talk about is how do how do how do what we do improve student uh, engagement? How does it make teachers' lives easier? How do we do it in a way that doesn't require you know you to go watch forty seven YouTube videos to figure out how to use the the technology? Um, and that's really our, our our design philosophy and approach. Love that. Chike, over to you. Uh, so many places that I could go. Uh, so, so many thoughts and questions. Um, when I think about instruction, and I, I actually used Canvas when I was a graduate student about uh, uh, in that exact kind of time frame. It, it is hard to go from, from, from zero to market dominance. So, uh, so it's a kind of hats off from a business perspective of what you've done. When I think about this business that you all are in, um, I always talk about, you know, if you're building a business, it's almost great to be in the parts of the business that people can't see. You're in the substrate. You're in the, it's like, who makes the screws that keep the beams in your house up? You don't know, but they make a lot of money because those screws are really important. And I think you all are in some ways serve a similar kind of function. Um, and I and as we think about most businesses, I don't care what the sector is, healthcare, or retail, whatever, the move of digitization and how do we use technology to make them far more efficient? You all kind of fit very much within that stream. Um, think about the future for me. We, we've had a debate in higher education about how much this is going to be digital versus person-driven, so on and so forth. And I think during the pandemic, we saw that we need a wider set of tools to teach and reach students. We need asynchronous, we need online, we need in-person. Talk about how you see instruction fitting into this multimodal, multi-channel ways that higher education um, institutions are going to have to reach students. So let me give you just one um, uh, institution that I think of. I think of, I'm from the, uh, Maryland, uh, the University of Maryland Global Campus, which is, you know, in national, international leader in this type of education. Uh, you know, they're reaching folks here in Maryland, want to do cybersecurity, and they're serving veterans in Singapore. Uh, Fowler, by the way. Yeah, great, 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 uh, Greg Fowler, great friend, great, great leader. So as I think about them as more and more institutions are going to have to be like them in the future. So I'm, I'm curious how you see instruction in all of its facets kind of fitting in there and helping accelerate that. Yeah, um, I think I think absolutely. You know, the the institutions that we work with, uh, some of them refer to this as an omni-channel education, right? And so, um, and and what they what the pandemic, to your point, right? What the pandemic did was two things. I think one is it it um, it forced educators to think about what digital looks like, right? Because it was really easy. Let's say you're a K twelve teacher, right? You've got a, a you know a four drawer file cabinet in the back of your classroom full of lesson plans and, you know, things that, you know, as you went through your education. That was me as a teacher almost 20 years ago. Absolutely. My wife was, my wife, we still have them sitting in the garage, right? She doesn't teach anymore, Yikes. but we still have them. And, um, and so it really forced the, you know, that those type to say, well, I gotta, I gotta put them online, right? I gotta figure out how to do this. Um, what they've recognized is, Hey, you know, life is actually pretty good because now I, I come in in the morning, I don't have to go get that assignment, go make copies, hand it out, collect it, grade it, right? All that stuff can be automated and I can focus on teaching. 
Um, as well as, but even in the, you know, even in the higher ed space, which is a little ahead of K-12 from a digital transformation perspective, um, you know, you still had a lot of faculty that, you know, used it as just basically an electronic syllabus, right? And and almost like a file share, right? Just, I'm just going to put stuff up there that people can download. Uh, and it, it forced people to think about the pedagogy, think about, you know, the uh, the instructional design and, and that, you know what, there are some things we have to do differently when we're in remote environments. Um, and so it really kind of catalyzed, I think, educators uh, as far as digital transformation goes. The second thing, though, which I think is a more probably enduring impact on this transformation that you were you were talking about is um, that the learners recognize that I don't have to follow this path that says I'm going to graduate from high school. I'm going to go to this college. I'm going to spend four years, get my degree right and on campus, you know, whatever. Um, that they recognize that there's flexibility. And so a lot of our institutions are getting told, look, um, if you can't do this for me in a flexible way, right? So yeah, freshman year, I want to come, I want to live on the dorms, I want to have that experience, I want to, you know, I want to be on campus 100% of the time, but you know what, life got in the way, I got to work full time this next, this next semester, I'd, I'd love to be able to just take one or two classes, you know, online, asynchronously, or uh, you know, my daughter's uh, a senior right now up at Utah State University, and, um, you know, she she loves the ability. Some of her teachers are like, um, Fridays, we're going to do this remote, right? And she can take it from her from her apartment, and um, and she can get a lot of other things done. You know, it's, it's, it's similar to what we've in the workforce have experienced, too. So I do think you're right. Um, this is a trend that's here to stay, right? This omni-channel, this multimodal, uh, however you want to call it. Um, so from our perspective, our goal is to be that infrastructure, you know, as you said, infrastructure is awesome, right? Because you it becomes that core that you need and fun, fundamental to running your business. Um, we're that core infrastructure that allows you to not have to use separate technologies, depending on which modality you want to teach in, uh, right? And so the fact that I can create a class in, in Canvas for, you know, my my class that I teach in person as a, as a, as a faculty member, uh, and then tweak it a little bit and make it available online. Um, uh, we have technology that allows institutions to publish those courses online, right? In including things like how do you register somebody that maybe isn't coming, they're not matriculating, right? Um, how do you register them? And so we have the technology on the back end, again, the infrastructure technology that allows that uh, and the credentialing, the badging in case somebody's here just for a certificate or micro-credential. Uh, so, so our our strategy has been let let us be that fundamental technology that you use, regardless of the modality, regardless of how how education is going to be uh, consumed. And so, uh, it's been it's been great. I mean, it, it is, you know, it it has. I, I believe there's a disruption coming to the OPM market, right? I think it's starting to deconstruct because um, institutions are recognizing. You know, they used to be able to outsource reaching us at our homes, right? Um, but now they're saying, why, why, why isn't this part of my core competency? My future depends on being able to reach students that aren't going to come to have a four-year experience on campus. No, I, I, I agree and see so much of that just in our, in our lives. And again, partially because of some of the institutions we have here in Maryland and locally. Um, Joe, let me, let, me throw, let, me, let me throw it back to you. I have tons more questions and I, and I could go for an hour. Your show, Joe, my friend. Keep going. So let me 
fast forward a little bit, and this probably does touch a bit on the parchment uh, kind of conversation. So I, I was the chief innovation officer at the Department of Labor. I came in on day one of the, of the Biden administration, left uh, the end of this past April. And this question of basically how do we get people the skills uh, mm -hmm. to do the jobs that America needs done and also to start them on the careers and hopefully going to put them on a different economic trajectory. That's, you know, that was an obsession for my for my bosses, Marty Walsh and Julie Sue, um, as well as for the president himself. And so um, easier said than done, um, as you have seen in your business, whether it's from higher ed, whether it's from industry, lots of types of credentials. They don't talk to each other. They're not over in the same million. taxonomy. Over you know. a million credentials. Over a million credentials. I I, I call it the, uh, um, I've talked about this with uh, Scott Cheney from Credential Engine. It's a Tower of Babel, if you want to use a biblical mm -hmm. uh, right. uh, metaphor. And, ah. uh, and, 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 and what's happened is, as there are more and more credentials, the theory was more and more credentials, the better it's going to be. One of the challenges is they don't talk to each other. And from industry, and I hear this again and again, they say, I don't know what these mean. And so what industry does is they create their own credentials. <laughs> I've seen it in cloud and cybersecurity and so on and so forth. The, I know what my credential means, but it almost feeds that problem. So one would love to hear how you all think about yourself in the credential space, um, which, by the way, is fastest growing part of a lot of higher ed institutions particularly the, the community college. And then secondly, wax a little poetic on how do we make this a more integrated experience, more just understandable experience for whether it be a student or an employer who's trying to figure out what credentials should I do? What credentials should I take? It's yeah. fuzzy math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's a huge challenge, right? And, and to your point, um, uh, companies are creating their own credentials, but, you know, I, I read, I just recently read an article, you know, so Google has these credentials that you can take and, and, but, but when you look at the job description, it requires a bachelor's degree, right? So even though you have that credential, right, it's not carrying the weight of, of what it needs. So let's, you know, let's still be clear is that the number one credential that carries weight today is your diploma, right? And, um, it, um, and so I think, you know, um, institutions that have brand name, that that's going to be the thing that carries carries the day for a long time. Um, but to your point, the fastest growing part of this is these micro credentials and these other other sort of credentials. Um, so our our belief um, is ultimately and the reason we we we've you know, we're we're in the process of acquiring parchment is because um you know, we we somehow we have to make those credentials, um, and even if it's a transcript, right? They have to be much richer in the data that they provide, and um, and and so part of this is how do you how do you demonstrate uh, that when I took computer science one hundred and one and I got an A, right? How do I demonstrate what I actually learned in that, right? And we believe that the 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 way forward here is going to be let's let's create a portfolio for a, for a learner, right? That again, a lot of that information is going to be in the learning management system, right? This was my project that I worked on. And here's, you know, here's, here was the rubric that, and this is how I did against that. You know, we, we get a much richer sort of uh, information associated with those, uh, with those transcripts. Um, the, and that works when you're, you know, when you're, when you're kind of tying those skills to a, um, a transcript in a higher ed institution, which is why I think ultimately, I ultimately believe our higher ed system is going to win in capturing the non-traditional student, right? We've got others that are trying to compete for that, right? Uh, MOOCs and, and those types of things. 
uh, I think ultimately the higher ed system wins in this in this case. Tell them uh, like it is. Yeah, and and um, the um, you know the the question is how do we get that taxonomy normalize that taxonomy right? Um, and here's my here's my belief. Uh, so we're working with um, we're working with governments. So um, Canadian government, um, uh, uh, Australian government, and they have these concerted efforts to really try to match a taxonomy that everybody's going to agree that when you say I can program in Java, this is what it means, right? For instance, um, or I can weld, a, you know, MIG welder. This is what it means. And so um, I think. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit challenging for us in the U.S. to do that, um, uh, and it's going to be a very long process. Even in these other countries where they're going down this path, right? Um, it's not. It's going to take years for that to become uh, to become really recognized and understood and 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 believed. Um, uh, what I'm seeing in the U.S. is, you know, individual states are trying to tackle this themselves, and, and so we we recently announced a deal that we did with the Alabama Community College System. And I think they are really advanced in their thinking and their implementation of how do we match workforce um, development with education and educational institutions. And so they've they funded the, the Innovation Center. Um, they've, they've, de they've decided that part of this is going to be, we've got to give students a uh, unified experience, whether they're in Mobile, you know, Community College when they're at home or their University of Alabama, um, during the during the winter, you um, write what does that experience look like, um, and and so ultimately, I think the governor is really pushing for this kind of unified experience, and the chancellor at ACCS is uh, as well. And so, uh, I do think they're doing a, a tremendous job of working. They have a task force in the innovation center that's working with the employers uh, in Alabama to help define what that taxonomy looks like. Uh, and again, you know, for them, there's a lot of auto industry there, right? What what they care about is is going to be different than what you know the the employers here in Utah care about. So, it's um, I think that's how it's going going to evolve, and it's going to take um, some great leadership, uh, you know, it, with within the states to kind of drive that um, in the in the near term. Ultimately, do we get to a kind of a national? wallet you know is is how australia refers to it or something like that maybe um but I mean, that's gonna that you know that that's a hard thing to drive from a federal federal level it'll take time are you kidding me no i'm not for a third straight year the edup experience will be recording live at elusion live 2024 this year in san antonio texas april 7th through the 10th illuminate innovate and inspire that's the framework for the conference. Leaders from institutions around the world will converge at Lucian Live 2024 to discover game-changing technology, share industry insights, and build powerful connections. It's time to explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future-ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. You can register now at elive.elucian.com. Epic. Oh, yeah. You've heard me talk about the Insights EDU conference. Well, let me tell you three reasons why I think everyone listening should join us in Phoenix, Arizona on February 20 through 22nd for Insights EDU. One, it's one of the few conferences focused on helping schools serve today's online and non-traditional students. Two, 
you can expect a mix of speakers you won't hear anywhere else, including higher ed leaders from Google, LinkedIn, Adobe, and more. And reason three, Insights EDU has an agenda packed with sessions discussing the latest trends in higher ed leadership, marketing, and enrollment management. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Oh, yeah. No, it's super helpful. And, and you've heard about the, the wallet. I, I've always thought about it. The analogy that I've always used is uh, for the, if you remember kind of 15 years ago around healthcare data, there was this idea of kind of the blue button, which mm -hmm. is that everyone owns their data. You can pick it up, carry it around. Uh, uh, lots of interesting companies come up with ways to, to kind of do that. And one can imagine an equivalent of that um, in the part for, for the skill set that you, you have a, a, a your, you carry your portfolio around, you share it with who you want to. Uh, you know, so you can avoid what happens to me when I go to the doctor's office. I tell the same things to, to, to four different people and they're like, and you're like, wait, don't, don't you talk to each other? And the answer is they don't. And I'll be honest, in the workforce space, as I, I, I use the work, it's kind of very similar. Um, let me ask a question. And this is a question that, that, that I, I probably should know the answer to. Do you all serve any folks in the corporate space? So obviously, if you think about what corporations are doing, like they are doing tons of training, credentialing all the time within their companies. Uh, when I was with General McChrystal, we we worked with CHROs all the time doing this. I'm not curious. I'm curious if Instructure plays in that space. And um, we, you know, um, you know, frankly, we did for a while, and we got out of it. So we said, look, we're going to focus on um, education educators, and so there are, you know, so one of our biggest customers is uh, Amazon Web Services. Yep. But they, but but the work we work with them on the, you know, their their um, their academy which is training engineers how to use AWS stuff, right? It's not an internal training. We don't sell to HR, right? Um, it, they look a lot more like an educational institution. Um, and so, yeah, from from our perspective, we want to stay kind of true to that education educator yep. uh, rather than, you know, going after the HR functions and some, and like that. Um, we're always getting pulled there because they all, they all want something like this, right? But but you know, pedagogically, it's different, right? And and you do have a different. Um, there are different requirements. There's different things you care about, and and so we don't want to dilute that. Um, you know, that focus on on educators and how they do their job. Let's go to the back to the parchment thing a little bit because this is such a significant acquisition, right, for your organization. And in higher ed, it's funny because we've seen so many school closures. We've seen. Uh, mergers, acquisitions. And so we see it really, we see big ones sometimes like when Arizona went and got Ashford or Purdue Global Kaplan, but they're, they're not, they're higher ed acquisitions, which are different than in business acquisition in a lot of ways, right? Monetarily and, and structurally taxes, all, all that. Why was this so important? to Instructure to go after Parchment? Because I know 50% use Instructure, maybe 90% use Parchment of, of institutions out there. But what was the the tipping point to say, this is really in line with our future? You know, what, yeah. what tipped you guys forward to go after Parchment? Yeah, you know, um, when we were looking at, uh, at Parchment, um, part of the motivation was on the, on the Canvas side, you know, we're in a unique position in the LMS market. Uh, so, um, we uh, not only do we, or do we have number one market share in higher ed, but we're also the market share leader in K-12. And so for a lot of students, we're we're there in the classroom from when they start their primary education all the way through post-secondary. And so we've been working with 
systems like California. Um, we just did a deal with Montana, which is trying to figure out how do we how do we ease those transitions, right, for students because they lose a lot of students in that transition from high school to to college. And so we've been working about how do we make that classroom experience seamless. Um, and and then the you know the the question that always comes up is well, um, how do we also kind of evidence it, right? What what is you know how do we in, instead of having to go to four different places to get your transcripts, if you you know you did some of your educational journey at a UC school or a uh, a California community college school or and then your high school and all that kind of stuff, how do we this make that lunacy. journey much simpler? And so it it was just kind of a natural progression of here's what's happening in the in the in the classroom now. How do we evidence it? Um, I you know I think the 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 um, the other thing that was was pretty exciting about um, about doing this is is also you know what we talked about earlier is is let's make that record much richer right and so yeah. let's bring those things together in a way that makes it much you know much more valuable um, when I'm trying to connect my education to an outcome. I like your style, dude. Let me ask you a question, Steve. And this is this is literally just came to my mind as we were talking about parts. Um, I began my postgraduate school career at a, at that time was called the advisory board company on the higher education side, which is what became EAB, which you're probably very very familiar mm -hmm. with. Uh, we were very acquisitive. We we purchased a lot of companies, and I think one thing that the company learned overall is acquisitions can be done poorly and they can be done well. So you can have an acquisition that makes a lot of sense on the the football chart, the cap table, but then obviously when you get the people, the leadership, it just doesn't quite work. And we've all seen this. Um, stay with me for a second as I ask this question. You're seeing higher ed go through this. I'm a senior fellow at Northeastern University. Northeastern University bought Mills College, New College in London. I forget the school they bought in Virginia, one in Maine. And they're in this process of bringing these things together, still very early days, although I think they're doing a decent good, a job of it. Give some advice to higher ed leaders who are thinking about acquiring. Yeah. Yeah. How, it's a, what are some lessons from what you've done that you would say, here's how you do it and do it well. And again, it doesn't totally translate obviously business higher ed, but I think honestly, there are some lessons that there probably, there aren't zero lessons. So I'd love it. Cause you think about, as you're talking to some presidents who are thinking about this, what are some advice that you would think about as you try and acquire potentially another institution? Yeah. You know, well, it, you know, and uh, I've done a lot of these technology and I've, I've, you know, messed them up you know, horribly. Uh, and so, which has been great lessons learned. Um, where where I do think it's very similar is, um, you know, when it comes to buying a software company, you're not really buying the software, right? Because, because it, you know, software is the, you know, the, the, the value is the creative process that invented it, but then somebody sees that they can recreate it really quickly. Right. And so, it really does come down to the people that are involved in the process uh, and, and that you're trying to bring together. Uh, you know, and I think, um, you know, for us, it we spend a lot of time in the due diligence process, really understanding what is that culture? What is, you know, what are, where are they focused? Um, you know, for us, uh, we have almost half of our employees are former educators. And so we have a, you know, we have a bent to want to, you know, wanted, I mean, we, 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 we are educators, right? So, um, uh, so we really look for that kind of DNA when we're trying to do an, an acquisition. And, um, and then we, and then we really spend a lot of time trying to um, think about not, not cooker cookie cutter, everything, right? Not say, Hey, we got a, we got a, we got a recipe here on how we bring these in together, but recognize that each one's going to be a little bit different. So in the case of parchment, for instance, 
first of all, the cultural fit was awesome. So the 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 CEO and and one of the founders of um, of Parchment actually was one of the founders of Blackboard, uh, and so we have this kind of we understanding of the industry, right? And when we first started talking, is like this is where I thought Blackboard ought to go. Uh, the whole time, that's why I wanted to do parchment, and um, and so we just felt this kind of natural, you know, cultural affinity. Uh, and but but even then, with that great cultural affinity, we're going to run them separately for the first year, uh, and recognizing that you know there's still we're still people, right? And we're all going to work a bit differently. We got to take the time to understand that, um, and then and and over that course of the year, try to figure out okay, where are the right integration points. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so, um, you know, so for us, it, it really is, it comes back to those people and those relationships. The other thing we did look at was also, uh, and I don't know how, how pertinent this is, but, you know, the, the parchment people are selling to different people than we sell in a, in a university, right? They're, they're spending a lot of time with registrars, admissions, um, those, those offices. Um, and so, so part of our calculus was, okay, we don't have those relationships anyway, so let's keep these let's keep these separate. Let them uh, teach us about that. But that was also one of the advantages for us because we're, what we started to recognize is as institutions go more and more after these non traditional learners, um, it was getting more and more important for us to have a relationship with the registrar, right? Because there's so many things that are, you know, when this student comes on through our portal, not through the normal admissions office, right? How do you bring them in, right? And do they get access to all of the library services, you know, and do we have to pay a license for that, right? There's all these things that you didn't think about. Um, and, and so having those relationships became really important to us as well. So it was it was kind of a multifaceted way we look at it. Um, and, and we found that, that that is the one common denominator across all of those integrations is, is where's that cultural fit? And then, you know, what it, what is the, what are the connection points within the people we're trying to reach as our customers, right? Steve, I got to stop you just really quickly because, you know, full transparency here. I asked you this question earlier and you and I recorded your answer and I want to play back your recorded answer. It wasn't as long. I like your plan, except it sucks. So let me do the plan. And that way it might be really good. That was your true. No, you didn't really say that. But <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, this, this is a complicated thing. Uh, mergers and acquisitions, right? Culture. Yeah. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. That's where you hear it. That's where it comes from. You have a vision, you have a strategy, and then you get the people and the emotions in the mix, and it makes it really hard. I do want to just ask one follow-up because you talked about it. We've been talking about omni-channel learning. Canvas um, is used by institutions that run standard term, non-standard term, non-credit programs, uh, for-credit credentials, competency-based education, the three-year degrees come in, what's next on top of CBE, making the technology do all of the things that you need it to do. It, it does, it's not like one, you open up the box and it just does everything perfectly. You have to move it and configure it. And a lot of institutions are doing different things. How does the team work? Uh, your internal teams, are, yeah. are they, you know, are they working back end? Are they looking to the future? Like what's coming? How do we get ahead of a design AI? Right. I know we're going to talk about that, but yeah, it's coming. Right. No, it's a great question, and you're right. There are there are um, different nuances, right? Uh, I mean, fortunately for us, a lot of the you know, I'd say eighty percent overlaps, right? From from the what the technology needs to accomplish. But you know, to your point, you know, there are different 
um, you know, start dates on courses, right? Finish yeah, dates. Clock hours, credit hours, all that. Yeah. There's you know, build on last attempt, right? Is a big thing within kind of um, uh, vocational, right? I, I missed the question. Give me another shot at it. You don't yeah. get that when you're taking a test in or a quiz in the, uh, you know, in a traditional setting. And so, um, so we, we, I mean, we, we follow a, a process of, um, first of all, we have a massive community. So we have over 2 million people that are active in our, in our, um, uh, our community and they, and they, they give us a ton of feedback, right? They're telling us all the time, this is the, you know, this doesn't work. One of the, one of the simple ones, for instance, was K-12, a bunch of K-12 teachers were like, your default says that this, this, uh, assignments due at 1159. That doesn't work for us, right? When none of our, none of our students are going to be, fin you know, finishing these, uh, in sixth grade at 1159, we want it done by five or when, you know, whatever yeah. it's those simple things. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time, we have a process that allows them to kind of thumbs up or thumbs down and, and grade. Um, and then, and then it really is about the product, product, you know, product managers that are then kind of bouncing that off. And that's where I think, um, you know, us employing a lot of educators, uh, in the company has really helped us because we, you know, we get it and, and it does require a judgment call. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it is a, it is an ongoing process. Um, and, and in some cases, so for instance, build on last attempt, the majority of our customers don't care about that. Right. And so it's really easy to just put it at the bottom of the list, you know, because Harvard or, you know, um, California community college is like, I don't, you know, I need this other thing to put on top of it. So it, it is a constant struggle for us. Um, and it's kind of a, it's a, it's a leadership, you know, Thing to be really be able to kind of make sure we're not just prioritizing, you know, the things that matter um, for the majority. But but where's the where's the where's the uh, business going? Um, we, we've talked a little bit about AI, uh, and it's and AI is everywhere. And I will say, just parenthetically, I think you know, if I, I'm I'm old enough to remember life before the internet or before social media, and I kind of wish we had this level of conversation around those technologies before they rolled out. <laughs> That we're having around AI now, even though it's still clunky and messy and so on and so forth. Um, in AI, for higher education, has always been this whether it was the MOOCs or AI now that, oh, the professors are going to be gone, the AI is going to teach everything, so on and so forth. I think the future is going to be much more complicated than that. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on what do you think are your top, call it three opportunities in higher education where the application of AI make higher ed better? Yeah. Um, like today yeah um sure. and then would love to, to get a sense of 10 years down the line longer what do you think some big kind of horizon opportunities are for the yeah, application what's the future look like steve yeah so so immediately there's i mean there's some really low-hanging fruit that i think uh and i think you know frankly we're going to see so much innovation in ed tech over the next you know five years because of this technology um you know we we sometimes get asked well what are you doing in ai and it's like well you know what just you know, think of that as like foundational technology that's enabling all these outcomes that we're trying to to build to. It, it's not something separate from what we do. Um, you know, how much are you spending on AI? People ask. You know, investors ask me that, for instance, and uh, it really becomes part of the fabric of of innovation. Uh, and so the the areas where I think we're where we're working on and the things that are that are in beta right now. Um, and, and I want to caveat it because um, uh, we've taken a pretty um, deliberate approach to this because there are so many, um, you know, um, equity 
questions, privacy questions, security questions, right? Bias questions that um, I think if we rush into this with with some of these solutions, we're 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 we're, we're potentially damaging right people and 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 the process and and ultimately maybe limiting the adoption because of bad experiences so so we've tried to you know the first thing we did was create a council of, of our with a bunch of our customers to talk about okay what, what you know how, how are we going to address this how are we going to uh, talk about privacy for instance and how do we keep the data right uh, so there's a lot of going on just for infrastructure wise but but just you know more directly to your question um so I believe this is going to make teachers' lives much better. So the things that we've got uh, either going uh, that are in either either the lab or they're they're in beta even right now is um, how do we help teachers just in their ability to create content, um, right? And so if let's say they want to add current events into this semester's um, uh, you know syllabus, right? How how do you how do you use AI to do that? How do we help them uh, create more? Engaging experiences, uh, more interactive experiences. You know, it, even to we've got technology now, um, not released yet, but in beta that um, uh, you know help help them create quiz questions, right? Based that on course content, yeah, and you know how you know give me the multiple choice, you know, answer on the Magna Carta, you know, with three distractor questions, you know, answers in in that, and so um, so I believe this is going to make it much simpler for a teacher in the creation process. The other, the other thing that's really time consuming for teachers um, is then the providing the feedback, right? And so a homework assignment comes in and they've already kind of lectured on it, right? They've already created a quiz question, for instance, about the content, and now they've got to grade it and then provide feedback again on that content, right? It's three times doing the exact same thing. And so, uh, some of the technology we have running right now a lot, will will give them uh, you know feedback to answers you know both correct and incorrect answers um, uh, and and allow the teacher to you know use it or not obviously we uh, you know the I think for for the foreseeable future we're gonna if there's gonna be a human intervention piece to this just until we get comfortable with uh, with the technology but um, I'll get, you know really simplify those types of process so. I, I am a hundred percent believer that this is not replacing teachers, but it becomes an aid to teachers and helps them focus on what they do best, right? Which is they're in there, they're, they're, they're um, inspiring, they're mentoring, right? Those types of things that teachers love to do. Um, I think on the other piece then, so that, you know, those two, those two things I think are the near-term opportunities in teacher, in teacher assistance. Um, the other side is on, on the um, student side. And so, uh, you know, we, we announced a partnership with Khan Academy. Uh, they have that Com Comigo technology, but there's a lot of technology out there around, uh, you know, what we call virtual tutoring. But, but what it really is, is, it, you know, the, the technology can actually help in the creation process with the student. So if a student says, look, I, I need to, I need to write an essay on Orange George Washington, right? It can ask them the question, well, what are the key points you want to make, right? Do you have, you know, do you need some, you know, what's your, what's your uh, source material? Um, you know, go find, you know, go find this uh, and then give them advice, right? That's a little bit passive in your, in your, in your voice. Maybe you should try saying it this way. So everything that a tutor would do, um, I think the technology can take a lot of that, uh, a lot of that burden off. And then I ultimately believe that, that frankly creates a much more equitable access to, 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 
to that kind of um, experience, right? Because, you know, my, my, my daughter struggled with math and we, you know, we, we went to Sylvan learning centers, right. And, you know, we had to pay a, you know, a bunch of money to go have, help, help her get tutored. But if, if the technology can do that, right. Then the, those that don't, didn't have the means like I did to be able to help my daughter that way, they still get that, you know, that, that access to learning. Uh, and so I, I believe this is going to be a huge boon for, not only for us as innovation perspective, but I think it's going to be a boon for um, the ability to amplify the power of teaching as, as well as to, to elevate students and their outcomes um, going forward. That's so a I'm, fact. I'm That's a fact. I'll tell you what, this has been an amazing conversation, Steve. I, I, know, I know we just cracked the surface on all the things that we want to know from you. But as we wrap up here, I want to give you the mic. Um, no question. Talk about Instructure, anything else you want to say about your work, your acquisition, anything going on, anything that you just want to say about your team. I'm giving you ideas, but you can say whatever the heck you want uh, about Instructure and uh, what you're going, what you're doing. Yeah, you know, um, we're we're actually, um, we, we had our, our sales teams all in. We had a kickoff um, this week. And um, one of the things I shared with them was my why. And, you know, um, Working at Instructure is is such an amazing opportunity to be able to have an impact um, on on education, which ultimately is going to you know I, I talked about my my children and, and creating a world for them, right? That they're going to have the same opportunities that I have. I you know, and Instructure we've got a lot of really passionate, mission driven people that you know are really invested in in education, and we ultimately believe that we will pay play a huge role. Um, in helping, you know, democratize education and, and ensure that with all the changes that are happening and all the, all the needs of, of learners and um, that, that, um, that the education system can meet those demands going forward. So it's, it's a really exciting time. And, uh, you know, the team is, is really engaged in it. It's a, I think, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really bullish on the education system and, and the future uh, and, and, uh, and the impact it's going to have on society. Bullseye. Chico, what'd you think of this conversation uh, here with uh, Steve? I, I'm I'm privileged to be here. Honestly, Steve, thank you for your time. And Joe, honestly, just thank you so much for the invitation. Of course. Ladies and gentlemen, he is uh, a man, a myth, and he's becoming a legend. He is the one and only guest co-host for today. He's Chike Egu. He is a senior advisor for Project and Workforce at Harvard University, former chief innovation officer of the U.S. Department of Labor. And uh, he's the VP over at the Maryland Hi Higher Education Commission, right? I, I can't get all the titles in there. I probably got something wrong, but he'll correct me. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, our amazing guest today, uh, if you don't know what's going on with Instructure, um, you're not paying attention. They're making moves, and uh, they've got an incredible product, let's just be honest. Here he is. He's Steve Daly. He is the CEO and Instructure. Steve, we hope you had a good time today. A little technical difficulties on both sides, but we did get through it. That was awesome. Thank you, Joe, and thank you, GK. It was awesome. Thank you it was so a great much. Conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just add up. Attention. It's time to register for Elusian Live 2024, April 7th through 10th in San Antonio, Texas. Illuminate, innovate, inspire, explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. Register now at elive.elucian.com. This conference is going to be epic. Hey there, higher ed leaders. Are you thinking about joining the EdUp Experience podcast at Insights EDU on February 20th 
through 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona? 100%. I thought so. This is the go-to event for higher education marketing and enrollment management. At Insights EDU, you'll gain cutting-edge insights from industry experts, including speakers from companies like Google, LinkedIn, Adobe, Salesforce, and more. Become the transformational leader your campus needs by participating in discussions on important topics like online student demands and preferences, increasing affordability and accessibility, branding, measuring marketing performance, and much more. Insights EDU is the conference you need to attend in 2024. Register now at insightsedu.com and use the code EDUP to save $50 off your registration.